This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hi everyone, welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers podcast, this is your extra show uh, where we will do a review of any of our midweek games and a preview of our upcoming weekend games. I am your host, Cami Bell, uh, and I'm pleased to say that today I am joined by the ever-lovely, ever-wonderful Mr James Forrest. James, how are you today? You alright? I'm not too bad, Cami. Not too bad. Happy to be here to talk about Rangers. Um, an exciting weekend ahead, of course. Um Plenty for us to talk about, of course, as well. Yes, let's uh, let's jump straight into it because exactly as you say, there is plenty for us to be able to talk about. Rangers uh, took on our last 16 uh, opponents, Slavia Prague in the return leg, having drawn one all across in the Czech Republic. Uh, and we welcomed them to Ibrox last night. Starting lineup last night, James uh, was Al McGregor in goals, Nathan Patterson retaining his berth at right back, Connor Goldson, Lean Balligan coming in for Phil Holanda, Borna Barisic. Midfield three of Scott Arfield, Stephen Davis and Glenn Kamara, and a forward three of Joe Rebo, Alfredo Morelos and Ryan Kent. Um, I think, James, when the team came out, uh, we we had kind of mentioned in the run-up to the, uh, the the game last night that we wanted a strong start. I think we looked a bit shaky for the first 20 minutes or so in the, of the first leg, at which point Slavia were able to, to capitalise on that. I thought that this was going to be quite a, a strong lineup to be able to go there. A couple of noticeable changes, um, in, in particular, Lane Balligan coming in for Phil Holanda, who we believe um, had a slight groin pull and uh, was was just taking care of it. Um, and Scott Arfield also coming in probably to mitigate the drop of Yanis Hadji as Joe Rebo kind of moved forward to be able to try and cover that berth as well. Um, both Hadji and Holanda were on the bench last night and potential options, been able to look at how the game kind of unfolded. Looking at it on paper, James, were you quite comfortable with that team in terms of thought it could do what it had to do, which was was play against probably one of the strongest teams we've faced so far this season? I think you have to play your, play your strongest team um, against 
the toughest opposition you've we've had this season, and, and I and I firmly believe that in terms of the way that Slavia Prague play, um, they have been the toughest opponents we've had. Um, Hellander not being in is a disappointment. Um, I think if it's a groin strain that prevents him from starting, it's one of those ones where I kind of think, well, why have him on the bench if you're, you know, if you feel like you can't play him? Um, I would always feel that in your biggest games you play the defence that's your best defence and Philip Hellander is part of that alongside Conor Goldson. Uh, Liam Balligan definitely has his use. There's no question about that. But I think that you know, that was not the most ideal in terms of that. Um, Joe Rebo was a funny one, I think, because he's, you know, for me, I think he's a better player in the kind of final third rather than the midfield. And he's played a number of times in different parts of the field over the season. I think he's always looked better when he's allowed to be more advanced. Um, but I think Yanis Hadji is a better player in, in general. So I would I would have probably preferred to have him there. The concept of what Scott Arfield does in the midfield is a really, really good one. But since he's returned from his injury, I don't think we've seen him return to that level of form that we saw kind of during kind of the latter part of 2020. So, you know, there's a couple of bold decisions, potentially thinking about the weekend uh, with some of them as well, I think, which I think is a dangerous decision to make when you get up against a team like Slavia Prague. But all the same, I think we knew what Slavia Prague were going to do in terms of they were going to play with a high level of intensity from the get-go. And it's about you know managing that. I don't think that was a team that couldn't manage that. Um, I think more than capable of that. But there were certainly one or two interesting decisions in terms of the team selection, for sure. Well, Rangers, I thought, James, did start quite well. Um... Slavia, there is no getting away from the fact that Slavia are absolutely able to to, to play the ball well. Uh, they take care of it well. They can recycle the ball. They can play the ball at speed. They've got good close control. They're a very, very well-drilled outfit. Um, and I think we did start brightly. Um, we, we did look to be able to try and press and, and contain them where we were. Um, but unfortunately, it was even a quarter of an hour on, on the clock, James, by the time that the deadlock was broken. Um, and that was by Peter Olienka, who was able to, to put in a header towards Al McGregor's near right-hand post. Got in front of Connor Goldson, who I think at this point maybe had a, had a couple of dodgy touches and a couple of dodgy passes. Didn't look overly confident. Um, but when that goal went in, I think it gave Slavia a little bit of a kind of emphasis to be able to, to go forward. They had to come over and score. We knew that was, was always going to be part of their kind of game plan in order to progress. Um a disappointing goal to lose, but a disappointing goal to lose at that time because I didn't think that we were playing too badly at that point. Certainly far better than we did in the in the in the in the first leg in terms of how yeah, we started the game. Yeah, it was. It was a better start for sure because I think you, you think about you know a couple of early opportunities. You think of uh, you know Morelos having a having a shot that was unlucky. Uh, Borna putting in some really really good crosses as well. I thought uh, certainly in open play. Uh, but yeah, the, the cross in from their left back is also is also high quality, um, and the movement of Olienka is key in terms of that. He gets in front of Goldson, um, and he's quick to get into that position to to rise up and head that. Um, a tough one. I, I I wouldn't. It's probably because you think about it in terms of the context of the season. I wouldn't place much blame on Goldson for that because it's it's just one, and I think it's just I think you have to put that down as a well worked goal from Slavia in terms of the way that it's it's been set up, uh, the assist and the finish. Um, 
But I think the key to that is the timing of the goal in terms of when they got it because it then gave them that extra boost to say, okay, we've done that, so now now let's kind of go and play a game because the pressure's off them at that point. All the pressure's on us to try and get that equaliser. Um, and I think that suited them far, far more. And it was it was you know similar to the way that they played against Leicester. They get their goal and then they're able to just kind of control the game from that point. And I think that's... That's a team that's really well drilled in that respect. There was, as you say, a couple of attempts as well. Ryan Kent was able to, to, to force off a shot, as was Alfredo Morelos. He was un- unlucky, as you said, as well, with a, a header over the bar from a great Borna Barisic cross. I think defensively, Slavia were quite happy to allow us the opportunity to be able to, to have shots from distance. Um, wasn't going to be able to try and do much in terms of breaking the deadlock. However, there was quite a contentious decision, I think, James, and, and we always try to look at this with a degree of impartiality, where just before halftime, in my opinion, I thought uh, Liam Balligan was very, very fortunate not to give away a penalty, um, as um, he had given away the ball to Seema. Seema had come in. He's, he's got a hold of him, and what it looks like from the, the opposite angle, almost facing from the govern, that he, uh, he's got quite a, a strong hold on him. We've obviously got VAR at this point. There wasn't a, a stop in play to be able to try and do a check. It kind of was ongoing. I always tend to look at these things, James, as you know, if it was you, would you be would you be demanding it? And I think had that been in the in the uh, a, a swapping positions, I would have been claiming for that penalty. And I think we kind of got away with one there. And I think maybe for me, this is where there's a question around where if Liam Balligan has got the opportunity to to get out of having a bad period within a game, can he do that within the game? Um, because he was already on a booking at this point because we had lost the ball. Prague were coming forward with it. Balligan was committed to a challenge due to the fact I think Scott Arfield was struggling to be able to try and come on terms with his man. So theoretically, it could have been one of those circumstances where he, he walks a very, very tight line. And um, I think, as I say, from a, from a penalty perspective, I, I'm, I'm very surprised it wasn't given. Yeah, we got away one. Um... Because you're right, if that's if that's Morelos running through and their defender brings brings him down in the exact same manner, then you are you're screaming for that penalty. So, you know, the fact that it's not given despite the fact that the there is VAR, um, I think we're I think we're fortunate in that respect. And what that does in terms of the context of everything else that goes on in the game, who knows? At that point, because the game would have been done, I think. Uh, because if that's a penalty, then I I also think you know, maybe not now with the double jeopardy thing, but I think Balligan's, you know, second yellow card could have happened at that point. Um, I also agree with you in terms of there has to be, you have to look at that and you have to look at Balligan. He struggled in the game against Antwerp at Ibrox and he was substituted and it was absolutely the right decision at that time. I think you could have done that again. Even though you're talking about Hillander with the with this like groin strain and whatnot, but if he's on the bench... You know, you've got to look to bring him on if you need to, or you know, even bring on Jack Simpson if you need to, um, who was also on the bench because that was another situation where he was being targeted. They they were very good at targeting their centre backs because they were giving Goldson hardly any time. I thought really putting the pressure on him, uh, and they knew that you know Balligan was capable of potentially making an error because he was he is absolutely the second centre back in that partnership. Um, I think that should have been a change that should have been made at half time. You know, for me sitting here as a fan watching that, 
I'm sure there's a reason why that was a decision that wasn't made for whatever reason. That's fair enough, but you would think that, and I think a lot of people are the same. A substitution at half time like that would have made sense, and actually there could have been a couple of substitutions we could have made at half time because, yeah, I think you can see the way the game was going, and we just needed that extra bit of quality uh, at that point. One thing I do want to talk about just before we come on to the kind of half time subs was. And we've seen a lot of this since since the, the the final whistle last night, amongst other stories, which we'll obviously uh, we will obviously cover. But there was a lot of rotational fouling, which was happening on Ryan Kent last night. They clearly targeted him. We mentioned this before, but they clearly targeted Ryan Kent as being being one of our kind of uh, uh, main uh, opportunities, been able to go forward to to create something. Um, I thought the referee last night started badly and got worse as the game kind of progressed. Um, but there were certain points as well during that game, James, where I, 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 do, I, I almost will give credit to Slavia Prague for their mastery of the dark art, something which I've been critical of, of us for not being able to, to, to do within a great degree. Uh, but they, they, they played the system very well in terms of rotating around who was going to be able to try and tackle Kent, bringing him down. He constantly got back up. He constantly kept running at him, which is all credit to him. Which I think, you know, as I say, he never hides Ryan Kent. You know, we know we want a little bit more in terms of goals or productive output from him. I understand that. That's a very valid argument. But he does not hide. That's a simple fact. And last night, when you saw the the, the clear strategy around, as soon as you had the opportunity to come in and engage with them, don't let them turn you. Don't let them, uh, you know face towards you uh, or get a touch in the ball to be able to try and take it around you. He was just getting wiped out. And, and and every Slavia player was obviously taking that and 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 turn in terms of due course. The referee did nothing whatsoever to to um, to protect them. Um, that was the beginning, I think, of some of their kind of dirty tactics. Later on in the game, as it kind of went on, it was very much uh, right going down in the ground, being able to try and make sure that your screams were perfectly audible. Um, they're a very good team. They're very well drilled, and they didn't beat us as a result of this. Uh, but yeah, I think that, like you say, there's, there's definitely lessons for us to be able to, to see from them in terms of if we ever play them again and they're under the kind of same format, uh, we have to probably be a bit more streetwise like they were. They're cute about it. And this is what teams at that level, because it's, it's a step up. You know, they, they know how to do that and they know how to manage games like that. And that's part of it. Um is it annoying to see when it's against your team? It absolutely is. And you want to tell them to get a grip of themselves, but it works for them. And if that's what they need to do to, to manage the game and help them get the win, fine. I think that says a lot about ourselves in terms of, in terms of what they were afraid of because they were very much scared of Ryan Kent. Um, we have a lot of players in our team that would have put the fear in them for a number of reasons in terms of the quality that we've got. And I'll play playing like that. If it works for you, then fine, you know, do that. that that's more that's more compliment to us. But I think we do if we want to get to that next level, because that's you know, two seasons in a shot, we've reached the last sixteen. If we want to get to that next level or if we want to kind of make a good run at Champions League next season. Then I think that is something that we need to we need to be mindful of. That a we're probably going to come up against that kind of thing more often, and b how can we benefit from that kind of thing? Not that I want us to start turning around and being diving diving so and so's, but 
you know, it's more about it's, it's how, how can you be cute and how can you manage the game uh, at that level that can give you any kind of advantage because when it's at the highest of levels, you've got to try and find any kind of advantage you can get. Yes, very true. And I think, as I say, we'll come back on to, to uh, some tactics that were employed by Slavia uh, later on. First, uh, the, the first half came and went, James. We, we I think, anticipated a change at half time. I don't think I was the only one surprised to see Scott Arfield come back out for the second half. Um, and then the change took place less than 10 minutes later, where um, not Yanis Hadji coming on, which I think is what I thought a lot of us was, was going to happen. Um, but he was replaced by Kamar Roof. Um, and Ruth was really not long in the park. Uh, I think he was on for less than 10 minutes himself um, by the time that he was involved within uh, what has certainly been uh, a, a, a very uh, contentious uh, conversation, which has um, been, been playing its rounds on, on various kind of platforms within social media. My take is that um, Kamar Ruth is going forward for a ball, which is, is coming in at eye line. He has his eyes totally on the ball, whereas the Slavia Prague keeper comes out. Ruth gets a touch on the ball. However, his feet are in a very dangerous position. And I don't mean dangerous as in he's done that deliberately. And the phrase that I've used when talking about this over the last few hours, James, has been, I think it was stupid and not malicious. And the reason why I say it was stupid was because whilst I appreciate he is going for the ball, he has to realise that if the keeper is going to play a game of chicken with him and no one pulls out of that, someone is going to get hurt. And with his feet as high as they were, then, you know, the keeper was going to get hit. But I actually don't think, even if he kept his foot as high as that and hit another part of the keeper, like maybe his body and shoulder or whatever else as well, I still think that he could have been able to try and see a dismissal. What ended up happening was a horrific uh, collision which happened with the keeper in no way intentional, so I absolutely want to defend Kamal Roof for that, because again, like I say, I just think his foot was was stupidly high, but not viciously high, if if that can be separated. Um, uh, uh, and a horrible injury left in the goalkeeper, we're led to believe that he, he, he had to go to hospital that night, and he's got a fractured sinus, um, and I'm sure people, as I say, have seen the, the photographs that have circulated via uh, social media and messages, etc. Um, you know, not in Kamal Roof's nature, uh, again, like you say, completely not intentional is, is my own opinion. Um, and again, I don't think that that is a spark that lit what happened later on in the game. Um, but again, like you say, a very nasty challenge and, and very unfortunate for the keeper. Um, and again, like you say, just I think a lapse in judgment from Kamar Roof, absolutely not intentional. I know that people are talking about extended game bans and all the rest of that. And thankfully, more sensible people are saying, no, it's going to follow a straight red the requisite amount of games that he will miss. Um, but yeah, just just a very, very sore one to watch. Yeah, it was awful to see, um, you know, as soon as you start to see that rouge on, on the keeper's face, and about that point you think, oh, this is, this is a, a really bad one. Um, and it was a really bad one. Um, I, don't, I don't know anyone that would complain about a red card for that. It's, there is no question in terms of that. It's not because of the fact that he's done that maliciously. You're absolutely right. It's it's a you know it's a freak accident. You know to be in that position and could Roof have done something a bit different? Of course he could in, in a situation like that. Um, but he's he's taken that gamble and it's the worst possible payoff on that gamble um, basically, uh, which has resulted in. Us being down to ten men, us being 
you know, even even further behind the eight ball in terms of in terms of the tie. Um, and yeah, thankfully, you know, from their keeper's point of view, the fact he was able to come out and watch the rest of the game, even though you know he does have your serious damage in terms of in, in terms of that, but you're you're glad to see that he's kind of up and moving about as as quickly as he is uh, after that because it was really really nasty. But in no way is that any kind of barometer on Kimmer Roof's character because he's not that kind of guy at all. He's not malicious in any way whatsoever. It was a mistake, which I'm sure he feels horrible. He would have felt horrible about immediately afterward. There was no complaints from him about the red card, obviously, as well, because he knew as soon as it happened that it was, this, was a, this was a bad one. Um, you know, take the appropriate punishment for that and just accept that for what it is, just a horrible, horrible accident. Yeah, and and listen, you know, I think, like you say, somewhat reckless, but again, like you say, without intent, um, but we will come back to Kamal Roof um, in, in just a moment. Um, I go down, James, a man down now, and, and somewhat bizarrely, uh, I actually thought we started to play better at this point. Mm-hmm. We looked in, in almost as if, right, let's kind of just chuck caution to the wind and let's let's do what we can to be able to try and get out of this scenario. Um, it was Rangers been able to try and get a bit more confidence on the ball, been able to try and continue to press. I thought Nathan Patterson started to come into this. Um, I, I think Patterson played uh, Patterson played very very well last night. Um, and again, like you say, I think he's a different. He's not going to give us the same options as James Tavernier going forward. I don't think any Rangers fan expects that of him. Um, but been able to try and see him cut his teeth at this kind of level as well is just going to allow his progression to come on leaps and bounds. Um, and um, the the kind of next main kind of point of contention is that as that as the game continued to progress was we uh, we didn't make any changes, uh, including Lean Balligan. Balligan was forced into uh, a, a, a tackle where just a slight loss of control. He's it, it's it's kind of come away from him a little bit, and he's put a foot in. He's put quite a nasty one in on the on the player, which uh, again he was committed to the tackle. Was very little he could do about it. There was almost like a a small period I felt where there was almost as if the game had played on and then the referee realised actually I need to get this guy off the park mm. he was given a second jello he was dismissed at that point we had been playing well again for as I say for a for a good wee period of the game for probably about the next kind of 10-15 minutes after the roof dismissal I thought we had been playing pretty well at that point then this happened and I thought right that this is you know we were already you know, facing a, an uphill battle, this has got even worse now. Even been able to try and grab the goal, um, you would have thought, okay, well, if we can get into extra time, we're still talking about, you know, we're, we're a two-man advantage. We'll see what happens. But that didn't matter because uh, a minute later, um, Stanchu, who I thought, you know, very, very impressive player, I do like him, um, puts in a, a fantastic free kick. Uh, Al McGregor was the hero, uh, obviously, in the first leg with a phenomenal save, which was up there one of the best I've ever seen. Maybe it's just me, James, and maybe I'm being a little bit ultra-critical. I felt McGregor was a little bit too far off his line and showing Stanchi quite a lot of his right-hand post. But a great free kick. I'm not taking away from that as well. Was McGregor a little bit too far to the left for you? Could he have been a bit further, further over to the right? His wall couldn't do much about that in terms of the distance and what had happened at this stage a great free kick, I just don't know if McGregor maybe could have just been slightly over to his right and maybe could have stopped it I wonder if it's taken a bit sooner than what he expects because it seems like an odd position for him to be in 
for that. I wonder if he's still trying to set something or if he's just checking something when it's taken. Um, because I think the positioning is off in, in, in terms of that. Even if he's in the proper position, does that make a big difference in terms of whether the ball goes in or not? I'm actually not sure, to be honest, because it is just a really, really well-taken free kick. It's, in the, it's placed in the absolute perfect area that you want to place a free kick that's in that position to go. Um, so, you know, the, the double whammy of going down to nine men and then going two goals down, that's it done in terms of the, in terms of the tie, in terms of progression. You just, you, you want to see the game out. You, you want to, you know, you want to kind of shut up shop at that point, I think, and just, and just let the game play out. Uh, for the rest, for for however long there's left at that point, because yeah, I think trying to chase that loss, it just it would just have become a bit more of an issue because at that point Slavia could do whatever in terms of sort of the play um, regarding the fact they have the two man advantage. They they have got a good, you know, their fitness levels are really good as well because they could keep up that intensity level for a really long period of time and then they're kind of making subs as well and the guys, you know, they've, they've got a good score depth within that too. So, yeah, that was the moment. I think everyone knew it was done certainly by that point for, for certain. Um, any kind of glimmer of hope of thinking back to, you know, nine men against St. Mirren at Hamden um, and winning a goal courtesy of a pigeon. I think that goes out the window at that point. Rangers then started to make the requisite substitutions as I think the manager completely agreed with you. Two men down, two goals down the, the, the game and, and, and therefore the tie is over as a contest. With Nathan Patterson, Alfredo Morelos, Stephen Davis, who, by the way, up to this point as well, I thought had played very, very well last night, especially in the first half. And also Ryan Kent, Olganoff, to make way for Jack Simpson, Bangani Zungu, Cedric Kittens, Scott Wright, uh, respectively. Um, the game hadn't come up too much as well. James and, and I think you know as we agreed the competitive nature of it had had kind of pretty much finished until um, there was a, a tackle made by Connor Goldson where one of the Slavia players had went down very strong I think had let's just say ex, uh, ex, maybe exaggerated somewhat in terms of how quickly uh, or how hard Goldson had hit him. Bengali Zungo also tries to get the ball away from uh, from out from under him. It's frustration more than anything else. It, there's there's no real form of kind of malice in it. However, what happens thereafter in the kind of ensuing melee is that the players uh, within themselves are trying to calm each other down. And Glenn Kamara at this point is is completely arbitrary to the situation, but he is just playing a little bit of kind of peacemaker and trying to calm everybody down. Aaron Kadela of Slavia Prague walks over to to Glenn Kamara. Classes his hand around his mouth, has said something to him and Kamara reacts in such an uncharacteristic nature of it. When everyone watching that, knowing Glenn Kamara and then seeing the player's reaction, um, it then came back down to an alleged racist comment. Now, what's alleged to have been said is that he's now referred to him as a monkey. Um, the player, Cadell, uh, has come out afterwards and saying that he's you're some effing guy, something of that nature, but certainly not anything to do with that. I think that's total crap. But, again, like you say, we, we can't prove or disprove what's going to be said. The only thing that we can go on is Kamara's reaction and then Cadella's response in terms of being able to try and get away from it as quickly as possible. Kamara tells Goldson, he's captain, he's captain, and immediately runs for him, um, which, personally, I thought was absolutely the right thing to be able to do. Um, there is various different things which are happening at this kind of point as well, where 
Uh, the players are obviously explaining what's been said and what's been said. The 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 black players of Slavia Prague seem to 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 kind of be a bit shocked or a bit kind of taken aback by what's happened, but certainly not aggravated. Whereas our players were incensed at that point. It eventually calms down and sees a booking for Goldson and 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 Cadella as well. Um, there's afters. Once the game finishes, then there was seven minutes of, of of injury time due to obviously the keeper injury and what have you, and all of this uh, melee that had happened. The players who were principally involved in it again, like you say, when you see Goldson have the reaction, Bengani Zungu has that reaction as well. Glenn Kamara has nothing to do with this, and what I think in my interpretation of it, and it's only what I've seen and and and, and what I know of Glenn Kamara and how he kind of react with this is, Cadella has went across and said something to him, has provoked him. Which I think, first of all, is is speaks volumes of a coward who has walked over to a guy who is is probably one of the most placid, you know, professionals that you could come across in the game, has said something to him, has purposely classed his mouth so that it couldn't be seen or picked up by by cameras doing lip reading or whatever else as well. You hear Kamara's immediate response, calling him a racist. He says it to the referee, the the fourth official who's now on the touchline is is you know now here as well. Obviously, the manager is trying to get a hold of, of, of Kamara to understand exactly what's happened. When the game finishes, some of the players are kept behind to make sure that there's, there's space up the tunnel to be able for the guys to go up and then taking it from there. Um, we saw coverage on the on the footage last night on the TV uh, of um, Stephen Gerrard, Douglas Park and Ross Wilson talking to the Slavia management team uh, about what's been said at that point and, and, and what's happened at that stage. The manager then came out in his post-match and said that you know Glenn Kamara is, is understandably shaken by what he's had to kind of go through. He said, you know, I stand toe-to-toe with Glenn Kamara, a sentiment which I think every single Rangers fan around the world completely agrees with. Um, Slavia then start to come out with their own statements saying that apparently um, uh, Cadell was attacked by Kamara. Um, apparently fans got into the stadium last night. The police were called. Now the police Scotland came out and, and completely you know, refuted that statement. They were not contacted. They played their usual role in terms of helping the security in terms of the team going back to the team hotel, etc. But were not involved in any criminal incidents. Um, again, it just seems to have been statement after statement that have come out from, from Slavia Prague. We released a statement earlier on today uh, wherein which we have said that we will absolutely support Glenn Kamara with whatever he wants us to be able to try and do next. Um, it was horrific, James. I'm, I'm, I'm so heartbroken, not only for Glenn Kamara, also for Connor Goldson, who was in this morning's press conference, who you can see is visibly upset. But do you know what he's upset about more than anything else? And this is what I think breaks my heart absolutely more than anything else. No one thinks anything will happen out the back of this now. No one thinks that, despite us referring it across to UEFA, we will not comment on it further now that we have passed it across to UEFA. It's been part made part of the match report, as we are led to believe. But Conor Goldson doesn't believe that anything will happen. Stephen Gerrard doesn't believe anything will happen. I don't believe that anything will happen. And it's just so... It's so... It feels so defeating to be able to then turn around and go, we can allege to this incident that's happened, talk to the players, talk to the club, understand exactly what's happened, and Yefa won't do anything. And I, I'll be honest with you, that's what kind of breaks my heart the most because it just feels to me like we have an opportunity here 
I don't. I I I want to see Cadell. I mean, if we need to educate the guy, we can educate him. If we need to punish the guy, we punish him. I don't know, right? I'm not judge, jury, and executioner. I can't turn around and see what the best course of action is, because I'm ignorant towards the fact that I don't understand how to help someone with such deep-rooted problems as that. I don't have the capacity or the skill to be able to do that. What I do want to see happen is those players who are impacted by this, given the protection it needs, and I'm sorry, taking a knee, making a pretty advert, doing a lovely commercial, coming out with a couple of statements. These things are not changing what we're doing, James. It's not, and UEFA need to really be held to account for this now. What they do next, I think, should be incredibly scrutinised by the watching world. Let's deal with facts in this. The fact is, Cadella goes up to Kamara, who has not been involved in any challenges or anything like that, and has whispered something in his ear. You don't do that. You don't go to someone and whisper something in their ear unless it's something malicious. The fact is then Kamara immediately says, he's just said something racist. And the players have reacted in that sense. You can see a clip that's from, I think, the RTV coverage of it. Because obviously, you know, with no crowd, it's easier to hear what players are saying. And it is patently obvious what the players are saying has happened. And common sense tells you that it's, it's something racist. If the guy wants to insult, come on and say, ah, you're a wee, you're a wee prick or whatever, why cover your mouth? There's no need to do that. And the lame excuse that's come out afterwards is utterly disgraceful and tells you that tells you all you need to know. It's like you're a wee kid that's that's sort of say, did you break that plan? But no, I didn't because uh, I was uh, I was over uh, there. It's nonsense, total total nonsense. The fact is, then Slavia Prague as a club have come out and released two statements. One which was just utter utter bullshit. Um, and the second one, which they tried to get a bit stronger in terms of, oh, we don't, we, we don't like racism and, and blah blah, but all the other points we stand by. So it's pointless at that point. Um, the players have come out and said, oh, you know, we were attacked and we were there. There's footage of you leaving the stadium where there is no Rangers fans around there. You do not look distressed in any way whatsoever. There is no sign of Cadella having been involved in any kind of brawl or anything like that. So that's nonsense. And Slavia Prague fans on social media then decide to make racist comments toward Kemar Roof for clearly because they want to have a go at him for the challenge that's happened there. And what does that tell you about their fans, their players, their club? It tells you that they are apologists. And they are, you know, they, they, they will defend their guy despite what is clear and obvious in front of them. But they will double down. And there's a culture of that at their club. And this is why these issues are not getting sorted. Because they, along with other clubs around Europe, they have problems like this. And UEFA are not prepared to take action because it's too difficult a conversation for them to have. Why do you think there is no taking of the knee in UEFA games, for example. What, you know, and you're right that, that that statement has, you know, it's lost that, you know, you think about Wilfred Zaha and what he said, it's, it's lost it's because there's still, there's still people that are being racially abused now, even with that. It's not making a difference. It's not making enough of a difference. Change is not happening because of it. And UEFA's track record up to now 
Sears, and this is another fact that no change is going is going to happen. And this slimy wee shit of a Slavia Prague player will get away with what he's done because there is no proper recourse for that. And frankly, if you are going to defend him, whether he is your player or you just you just think that all, all British all British teams are bad, blah blah blah, then you are part of the problem. And it's a problem that is utterly disgusting. And it's 2021 and we're still having to talk about this. Shame on them. Utter liars, utter scumbags, every single one of them. And I'm so sick of the fact that we have to sit here and talk about that rather than talk about how great a European run that we've had because, frankly, it just leaves such a sour taste in our mouth. And it's, um, I'm beyond angry about the whole thing, especially because it's happened to our guys who are our heroes for what they've done for us this season. And you act like that, you're damn right we're going to defend them. I think that the thing I would also say as well, right, because when I saw what was happening with the Kamal Roof stuff on on his, I believe it was on his Instagram, I could be wrong about that, but I think it was. There's a point to that, James, when I almost kind of detach myself from it. I'm not saying that I condone it, I don't mean anything like that. I just mean that, you know, anyone could go on to create a profile and then start having this because, again, you're going to find idiots on the internet, it's going to happen, right? So there was a point to that where I was thinking, right, my hope is, or my sincere hope is, that that's not indicative of the type of club that Slavia Prague are. And uh, I would wholeheartedly encourage Rangers that if any of our fans come out and said anything of that nature, that the, the, the club would come out and, and, and openly hammer them, because that's exactly what deserves to happen. But then, as you kind of rightly say there as well, Slavia Prague started to kind of double down on the outright lies that they were saying in terms of what's happened within the stadium, um, it just felt like as if there was this barrier of protection that's gone round Candela and then been able to take it for there. They've now released another one about how saintly he is, which I think is, as I say, the fourth or fifth release that they've had in, in, in however many hours since the game finished last night. Um, and, uh, you know, as a result of that, this is this is not who he is and blah, 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 what have you. So they've immediately jumped to his defence. Um, and that really concerns me because as you say that that does suggest to me that the club are being complicit in terms of his behaviour um, I just would like to know as to you know if his black teammates feel comfortable with what he said because they will they're, they're professional footballers as well they'll know why he did what he did and and and, and you know how he protected himself from being able to make that comment so that it didn't have that desired backlash of actual evidence on him if they're comfortable playing in that team for that club who fundamentally are protecting them, um, I would feel they would look be. Their, yeah, look at their body language. Um, when Conor Goldson makes a beeline for Cadella at that point and everyone else goes there, who are the two guys who are not immediately going toward that? It's the two, it's the two black players of Slavia Prague. It's, they don't know what to do. They're seeing their teammate getting, you know, our, our players going at their teammate, but their teammates just done that, and they were very close to him saying what he said. So it's, there's every chance that they probably heard him say that. And if only they, if that was the case that they did hear that, if only they would come out and say, yeah, this happened and it's not good enough, and we're disappointed that it's happened. And the fact that they've done that immediately in terms of the statements that that club have brought out, before actually investigating it properly, what is the 
you know, that's not how you do that, guys. That's not how you, you immediately say, you know, you, you have a proper process for kind of working that out. You don't immediately just leap to the fence and say, oh, but Rangers were pure bad because, by the way, they were pure hard on us, which is nonsense. You were just crying babies uh, and managed the game, as I said earlier, in a way that, fair enough, that does it for you. But, you know, that, that saying that there was a level of overzealous physicality. If you're referring to the camera roof incident, you have to know that that's an accident. You have to know that that's not malicious. And if you don't, then what the hell are you doing in football? Because it's clearly a mistake. And every every right-thinking football fan looking at that and looking at everything that's going on afterwards, you just look at you just have to look at what the reaction has been on Twitter in terms of that. Um, so so many people jumping to the defence of Kamara of Roof for you know the the attacks that have been put on them, and isn't it funny the minority of people who are actually saying they immediately leap to that defence of of the of the guy saying, "Ah, oh, well, you don't know what he said." Look at the evidence. Take your green tinted specs off. Take your Slavia tinted specs off. Take your anti-British specs off. And look at it with a bit of impartiality. And what you will see is a serious incident that time and time again is just far, far too common. And it has to stop. Stop being apologists for that. Actually do something about it. Be part of the solution. Don't continue to let the problem persist. Yep. And, and you know, I, I think, as I say, from that perspective, it's now over to UEFA. I, I, I'm, I'm not confident I, I hate to sound pessimistic with it i try not to be but you know experience has taught me that you know uefa tend not to step into these kind of things as well and and, and my hope is that they do i hope that maybe we are small time enough that that you can turn around and say right well we're not punishing a huge mega club here maybe we can turn around and say that that this deserves uh the, the attention it should focus on because let's face it uefa have been very very happy to dish out fines to us which they won't give out to other clubs so if they're going to follow on that remit hopefully Slavia Prague will, will then have that result in action taken against them and that's that's all that matters I think you know we, we have to kind of put that to one side now James you're right it's distasteful um, it's left a very kind of bitter sour um, afterthought to the game in terms of, of, of what I felt was uh, an opponent up until then I'd kind of respected at that stage because you know I did say that you know they had played well we were put out the manager said this as well we were put out by the better team there's no there's no denying that um, just touching as, as we kind of mentioned beforehand as well on the European run and where we've been at and stuff as well I think we've got to give massive credit to the team I thought we played well uh, across the two legs at certain times I think we could play better and that's maybe why we're feeling a little bit kind of frustrated and a little bit downbeat and maybe a little bit disappointed because I think if we were to play those two ties again, then we've got enough in us to be able to try and and, and certainly progress uh, through to the through to the quarterfinals. Um, that's probably the, the the most disappointing thing for us in terms of our own performances is that we probably could have moved it up a gear, but there is not a chance that you can you can not give credit to our Rangers team that's done so well within Europe. We mentioned before about, you know, how well we've done under Steven Gerrard, how well the, the players have really stepped up to that mark. Again, I look at guys like Nathan Patterson, I look at Alfredo Morelos, who's been phenomenal um, in these games, um, and maybe just a little bit uh, under the, the kind of performance levels that we would have liked from 
uh, from a few of them from last night. Um, but we can't fault the effort. We can't fault the desire. And I think the team can give itself some massive, massive credit in terms of what we've been able to do in a European stage, uh, not only this season, but over the last few years. And a lot of those players have been instrumental towards that. This campaign started in Gibraltar. You know, how long ago does Lincoln Redhams feel? And that's when our that's when our Europa League campaign began. Um, it's been a really, really fantastic run. Once again, to do it two years on the trot is what's so impressive about it because it shows you there's a consistency within the management and the team to get the best out of these kind of games up until this kind of last level where it's just that next hurdle that we need to get over. But the one thing that we know about a Steven Jarrett team is it's always going to improve year on year. There's evidence to show that. And that should be the aim now to be able to say, you know, can we progress that just that next level up, whether that be in the Europa League or the equivalent in the Champions League. Let's see what happens in terms of next season. Um, and, you know, we're still learning as well, which is the thing that's really encouraging about that. But you think of the games that we played, we knocked out, you know, Galatasaray and the, and the qualifiers are really your strong team, one of the best in Turkey. Um, you know, we had two very, very interesting and exciting games against Benfica, one of the biggest clubs in, you know, historically one of the biggest clubs in Europe. Um, I have some excellent, excellent players. We won a Europa League group and it was so very fair that we won that. And we beat Royal Antwerp twice, a team that beat Spurs. Um, you know, so we are absolutely a team that deserved to be in the European stage because we're very, very good at what we do and we play really, really well. It's not like this is very different from you know having such a good work manager in Walter Smith who has the perfect tactic and the right kind of setup to get us to the European final. This is very, very different because we're playing our game. We're not we're not having to adapt to deal with other teams this time. We're playing our own game with some excellent, excellent players and we deserve it and we showed it. And it's exciting to see what we can do now. And that I think is going to be one of the big aims for the management team going into next season is how can we get to that next step, get to that next level? And I'm very confident they can find a way to achieve that. So expect plenty, plenty more fun, interesting, great European nights. And boy, oh boy, I can't wait to be back in Ibrox for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, with the... Our efforts in terms of what we've done within that, we've been able to secure the um, the league winners for next season. We'll automatically get into the Champions League group stages as well. So if ever an incentive was needed to, to go and uh, win title number 56, then, then that was it. And um, again, like you say, hopefully, and I do mean this, we get a chance to play Slavia Prague uh, in the Champions League qualifiers because I would certainly like another crack at them. And I mean that in more ways than one. However, we move on, James, and we have the small matter uh, of an old fun game this weekend um, as we head across to, to Parkhead to play in what is effectively a kind of meaningless game, but there are no meaningless games against Celtic because, like you say, we despise them. Um, and uh, the manager was talking today around, you know, how do we get players uh, back into that mindset? How do we get them in, into it? And I think he's, he's he said it perfectly when he said that, you know, uh, if you need a justification for playing in an old firm 
you don't need a justification because, again, the players will feel the motivation no matter what because even if the title is now in the bag, uh, it's still an opportunity to be able to go over there and uh, and get a result against them. Um, I've kind of said that maybe if we're going through that thought, kind of thought process as well, James, that I'm hoping that Glenn Kamara is, is going to feel that he can play. The manager said in this morning's press conference that he would leave that to him. Um, he did speak to him obviously last night, he spoke to him when he arrived home and then he spoke to him by text this morning and he was talking to him directly after the press conference and he feels that it's his decision to play and I'm sure, as I say, I speak for everybody when I say that we 100% support um, Glenn Commander's decision as to whether or not if he feels he, he's, he's not in that space, then again, as I say, we will all totally respect that. Um, but we, uh, we won't need uh, any real uh, turnaround time, I don't think. Uh, in terms of getting us ready for this. Nathan Patterson is a bit of a doubt um, following a knock in the calf, which was one of the reasons as to why he came off last night. Um, but again, like you say, I think the, the main focus now has to be the players on a mentality that if we can get them from feeling disappointed about going out and um, somewhat dismayed at the fact that, like you say, they'll feel that UEFA haven't been able to try and take action yet in terms of what happens next with Slavia Prague, that all of those feelings turn into a committed focus in terms of being able to try and beat our our um, uh, friends across the city. It's a it's a tough game to be able to try and and put any kind of real merit into Celtic will be trying to to take away our unbeaten record. Um, but again, like you say, I, I, I want to go and go over there and turn them over. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, the battle fever will continue to rise as I kind of get out of a bit of a kind of slump following last night. I'm sure the players will be exactly the same. Uh, but we will get the motivation for this and we will get ourselves into a space to go over there and, as I say, hopefully beat them again on their own patch. I actually think it's the perfect game for them following what's happened because, you know, you, you want to be able to take out that frustration in a, in a healthy manner and to have this game to focus on, to get ready for and to go out and really show why we are champions. I think it's a great opportunity for the team. I uh, really, really hope that they take him. Um, hopefully, Patterson is fit to play because I would rather he was playing it right back. I think he's a better right back option uh, out with Tab than anyone else. If not, then we know that Liam Balligan can play there and you know, he probably would uh, step into that position. You bring Philip Hillander back, which I think you do anyway. Um, and I think the key will be Yanis Hadji in terms of him coming back in. I think he would start. I would expect him to start and I want him to show that kind of level of performance that we know that he's capable of, play right in that, centre the park, dictate things. And, you know, there's there's guys in there that will always be motivated by an old firm game, uh, in particular Fredo Morelos. And I'm looking forward to seeing him finally getting a goal in an old firm game. And I firmly believe he's going to do that. Yeah, the just again, and, and I'm sorry, folks, if maybe, as I say, you're sitting down and you might fall off the edge of your seat, or if you're driving, please maybe pull over for this shocking announcement as the government came out earlier on today to say that the old firm game would go ahead because let's face it, we always, yeah, we always knew it was going to. Uh, we're still awaiting a spike in COVID cases as well from Rangers fans gathering, as certain media outlets said that would definitely happen. Uh, but you know, all facetious comments aside, James. Um, Celtic have come out today and said that apparently they've spoken as a group and uh, they will not be giving us a guard of honour. Uh, they feel that this has been talked about far more than uh, when they came to Ibrox and, and we didn't give them a guard of honour. 
I don't care. I don't want anything from them. I think the fact that we have derailed 10 in a row, um, the, the, the fact that we will be going there uh, in their eyes is winning our first ever championship, I think, absolutely eats away in their heads. It's absolutely fantastic. So I don't want anything from them. Um, I think we have to go and show them. And I, I'll echo what, what, what David Edgar had said in our, in our daily update on our, our Patreon site the contempt that they have shown us, it's time to pay it back to them. And we've done that before and I want another opportunity to do it again on Sunday. Yeah. Oh, oh, damn, Cammy, they're not going to do a guard of honour. Oh, that just ruins it. Can't believe it. We might, we might as well just not bother about worrying about having the title because they're not giving us a guard of honour. Damn, damn, damn. Um, yeah, like that really actually mattered. Um, we were saying that to annoy you and get it up you because it has, you know, um, I would. I, I. I. Frankly, I couldn't give a damn if any team wanted to give us a guard of honour or not. I just think it's one of those kind of things. It's. It's down to you as a as a team if you think that you want to do that or not. If you do, fair play to you. If you don't, really, really doesn't matter. And frankly, I wouldn't want to ever give them a guard of honour. So yeah, the fact that they're not doing it really, really doesn't bother me or I think anyone in terms of that. Um, you know, I want I want my team going out there on Sunday and reminding those players constantly that they did not achieve that ten role because we are just so much better than them. And whether when you know whether whether we get the result or not, that's still gonna be the case. Uh that that we've done that. And it would be all the sweeter if we get a win of any kind that just reminds them that we are absolutely the best team in the country. And the stats don't lie, the league table doesn't lie uh on that one. So you know, even though even though the league season is done, there's still plenty to play for in this game in that respect. Um, and they'll be very, very nervous about it because what they don't want to do is to play us in their home twice this season and lose both games. That would be, some might say a disaster, others might say a catastrophe. Um, it certainly would. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So again, like you say, from that perspective, it's really important just to be able to to, to focus and, and get our anger out, and and that's what I genuinely hope that we do on uh, on Sunday against them. Uh, I've got to agree with James. I think uh, Alfredo Morelos' hat trick would certainly go some way in terms of being able to try and and, and get me feeling better for the beginning of next week. Uh, can I trouble you, please, for a um, for a prediction? And if you think that we'll score, who'll score it? I think it's going to be a two 0 win. I think Alfredo Morelos gets the first goal. Uh, he immediately runs straight over to Scott Brown and Kemar roofs him. Um, and I, I think Glenn Kamara gets the second goal. And that would just be the best, best thing ever. And Glenn, you have no idea how happy that would make us all if you played and you were a major part of a winning team in the Old Firm game. We believe you can do it. So go and do it, kid. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I think uh, as I mentioned before, we we stand with all of our players. We come out roof uh, with Glenn Kamara, with Connor Goldson, um, everyone who has brought us so much joy um, across the course of this season. Every single one of them are legends, and uh, again, we just want to make sure that we get that opportunity to go out and uh, put our enemy to the sword once more. James, thank you for joining me on uh, Extra this week. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Well, thank you, Cammy. And uh, just a wee message to a certain wrestler who was on BT Sport uh, this coming week. My record is two and zero. Drew, it's not worked out so well for you. Come on, man. I think I need that belt. 
yeah, uh, interesting. Although I would probably pay to see him fight you because I think it'd be over in probably about twenty five seconds. If I'm being honest, and that's maybe being a bit kind, but yeah, uh, I you um, our friend Stephen Clifford, uh, Martin Ramsey, Mary McKenzie, all these kind of guys who were on uh, the BT show. I think uh, yeah, you were our good luck charm. So we need to get you back in for that for next season uh, for the Champions League as well. So fingers crossed. If you enjoyed uh, listening to James and I uh, tonight, folks, you can uh, jump on over to our Patreon service, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, where you will hear up to four or five shows a day, all uh, Rangers related as well, with some other fun stuff in there too. Uh, come over and join us as uh, um, the best Rangers podcast that you can get your hands on, and we'd love to be able to try and make sure that you get entertained across uh, what we're hoping is going to be a cup uh, and league double this season. Uh, So please jump over and join us. Lastly, just before we go as well, I'd just like to extend all of our best wishes from everyone at Heart and Hand to Walter Smith. Gaffer, get well soon. We all love you. And uh, make sure to get back on your feet for all of us because, again, like you say, we want to make sure that you're here for many, many years to come. Thanks, folks. David will be back on Monday with our flagship show as well. And, uh, again, jump on over to Patreon if you fancy listening to some more of us. It'd be great to have you join a community of over 5,500 bears. Thanks, folks. Speak to you again. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.